just before I start the sermon, I, I got to try something. We're going to get some uh, wrestling theme music from the 90s in and just like, that's how I'm going to do my openings for, <laughs> for sermons. So, uh, <laughs> you like that? We're going to keep it. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, but... I just had to do it at least once. Maybe it's going to be a thing. I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this summer, our series has been focused on wonder. And we've been, it's been exciting for me just to hear many of you respond and react to that theme. And just paying attention to the ways that God is present in our world and alive and active. And noticing the things that God is doing, admiring the goodness that's all around us, that God has provided for us. And so it's been exciting for me just to hear some of you uh, reflecting on that over the, the past couple of months. And it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to do that. You know, wonder, I, as I've been leaning more into the series and learning more myself, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to experience awe and wonder, to experience the sublime, the beautiful, the good, to enjoy. And I think sometimes in churches, churches get known for what they're against and what they what they're don't believe. And churches can be known as kind of boring and dry places and dead even. And I think that's just the opposite of what we should be. We should be alive to the world around us that God has made, that God has given to us, that God called good. And we should be alive to his goodness everywhere it's, it's to be found. And you know, one of the things about wonder, last week I talked about how we were meant to embody wonder, how it physically... It changes our bodies, and that's a beautiful thing, and also how we can embody the wonder of, of God's life within us. That's a beautiful thing. But I was leaning more into that, and I wanted to share with you some of the benefits uh, of experiencing wonder. This is something that's being documented in psychology and other forms of science, and it's, I think it affirms something really beautiful. And uh, let's, let's go into this here now. Here's a quote from Healing Trauma with Awe and Wonder by Gina Simmons Schneider. Awe makes us kinder and less self-centered. Social psychology researchers found that those with a higher capacity for awe tend to behave more generously towards others. They discovered that many types of experiences of awe and wonder reduce self-centeredness, promote kindness, and more pro-social behaviors. We transcend ourselves and view the world and the people around us with mysterious fascination when we experience awe and wonder. And another quote here. This is from the Harvard Business Review. I've quoted from this article a couple of times through this series. Again, the title of it was, Why You Need to Protect Your Sense of Wonder, Especially Now. Research has shown that experiencing something bigger than us helps us transcend our frame of reference by expanding our mental models and stimulating new ways of thinking. This can increase creativity and innovation and facilitate scientific thinking and ethical decision making. It also helps us build relationships. Though feeling awe frequently happens in solitude, 
It draws us out of ourselves and towards others and inspires pro-social behavior like generosity and compassion. What we're seeing is that when we experience awe and wonder, it leads us into a really beautiful, good way of life. It gives us a whole new perspective. It changes the way we feel within our bodies. It does all kinds of things. I've put together on the next slide here uh, a list of the things that it decreases and increases. And these are all positive. So it decreases our stress when we experience awe and wonder. It decreases inflammation in our body. Can you imagine that? Inflammation. Maybe you've got to take a, a few less uh, acetaminophen or whatever. It decreases our mental chatter and our worries. It decreases our self-focus and our self-centeredness. And it decreases our sense of materialism. That's, that's incredible that that experience can produce that kind of result. But listen to the things that it increases. Experiencing awe and wonder increases our energy, our skill, our creativity, critical thinking, a sense of having more time. Do you feel like you need more time in your life? It's just, it's just too busy? Maybe you need some awe and wonder. A more accurate sense of yourself an overall life satisfaction and well-being. So you just feel better about your life. Your mood improves. You're, you feel better about your whole life in general. A desire to connect with and help others. It increases collaboration and team building. It increases a desire to explore the world. It increases virtuous behavior of all kinds. Generosity, compassion, courage, dedication. That's really something. Like if you saw a medicine on the shelf that said it could do all of this for you, you might buy it. If you saw a late night TV show, you might have your credit card out, right? One of those advertisements, you know, they don't really have those anymore, do they? I, television is all streaming these days. But if you saw this advertised somewhere, you'd say, okay, I, I want to at least look into that. That's promising a lot. How could it possibly deliver? Wonder is incredible. And its impact and its effect and its benefits for us, I think, lead us towards something. It shows us something about ourselves. Let's go to the next slide here. Wonder points us to kingdom life. Now, I'm not just... These are all values. The things that we saw on that last screen, those are all things that I think are a picture of what life is supposed to be like when God is, is running things God's way. When life is lived God's way, that's the kingdom. It's a picture of blessing and health. It's a picture of wholeness. It's a picture of flourishing and life. So I think that wonder points us towards kingdom life. Now, it doesn't save us. It's not saving, but it shows us something about how we were meant to live. When we experience awe and wonder, it reminds us of how we were created to live our lives. God's intention and design for everything. And I think this actually fits into a strong biblical theme, and I want to take us there this morning to explore this idea that wonder points us towards the way we were meant to live as human beings. And scientific research affirms something that the Bible has been talking about for thousands of years. So wonder points us to kingdom life. Let's go to the next slide here and get into a scripture verse. This verse is one of the central ideas of Proverbs. Now, if you're not familiar with Proverbs, 
It's, a, it's often very short, pithy sort of sayings that tell us general sense of, of wisdom, how to live well, how to live skillfully. That's what wisdom means, how to live skillfully. And Proverbs 9.10, this verse really sums up a big important basis for the entire book. Something like it comes early in the book, but here it is, the core of it right now. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So listen to this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, when we think about wisdom, we usually think about our thoughts. We think about, like, and it's, it's understandable because the next part says knowledge and understanding, right? But the, when Hebrew people were thinking about wisdom, they were thinking about how to live well. Now, it's one thing to have knowledge and understanding, but it's another thing to do something about it. And to do something about that knowledge and understanding, that's wisdom, right? So uh, let's see if I can get this right because it just it popped into my head. The, uh, knowledge says that a, tom uh, that a tomato is a fruit because it has seeds, right? But wisdom says you don't put it in a fruit salad, right? You, just, you know that's not how you do it. But you do something about knowledge, and that's wisdom. So wisdom is skill for living. And so what it says here is that fear of the Lord is how you start to live well. And you might be saying, okay, so we're supposed to be afraid of God? That doesn't sound like the loving God that we sang about earlier. Does that mean sometimes God has like grumpy days and we kind of like hide? Well, I want to talk about this and explain this because this is really important. We can really quickly misunderstand this if we're not careful. The fear of the Lord, when we talk about that, we're talking about a sense of awe and reverence. What's the connection between fear and awe? Well, we're going to tease that out a little bit just so you can see this clearly. You know, sometimes we have words for things, but they don't fully explain or express what's going on inside. This is one of those moments where words can lead us in the wrong direction. Now, uh, let me take you to another verse here, just to give you a sense of this. Uh, this is Exodus 15, 11. Now, this is a part of the story of the people of Israel where they have just been rescued from slavery in Egypt as God has done one miracle after another. And then, he does the biggest one. He parts the Red Sea, and they walk across it on dry ground to escape the chasing Egyptians. When they get to the other side, can you imagine experiencing something like that? That's, that's an amazing moment, a moment of great wonder. And so what do they do? They burst forth in praise. They start singing a song, and this is part of the song. I'm going to read it first for you in the King James Version, and then we'll look at it in another just so you see what's going on. It says this, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises? doing wonders. So the word fearful here, in praise, that's not us being afraid of God. This is the old English word for awe and wonder. Reverence. This is a word that's positive. See, in the New Living Translation, it says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. So fear and awe are very closely related. What's, what's the difference? Well, both of them, you have a sense of something being overwhelming. You're overwhelmed by the beauty of something with awe, 
but with fear, you're overwhelmed by something and a sense of danger to it. Very similar emotions. In fact, for some people, looking at something big and awesome, incredible, it can, they can respond with awe, and other people would look at the same thing and respond with fear. It's, it's how we perceive the thing that we're experiencing. And in this case, in the Bible, what we're, we're noticing here is that the word fear is pointing us also to awe and reverence. And that's the better way to read that verse, that understanding. So what does that verse mean? It means awe for God is the beginning of living well. That's what we see scientifically about the experience of awe and wonder, is that when we experience it, it points us into living well, doesn't it? So what scientists have now been studying is affirming what the Bible has been teaching. In fact, let's go uh, to the next slide where we're going to look at that same verse again, but in several translations. The Living Bible says, for the reverence and fear of God are the basic to all wisdom. So again, we see the word reverence is coming out more clearly in this translation. In the contemporary English version, it says, respect and obey the Lord. This is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, that doesn't sound so much like fear. Now, the message uses the fear of God, but I want you to notice where it's used. It's translated the word wisdom. It's translated as skilled living. Because that's the point that it's getting after. Wisdom isn't just about head knowledge. Wisdom is about how we live. So, to summarize again, experiencing awe and wonder for God is the beginning of living well. If you don't know God, it's really hard to understand the world around you. Because God made it. If you don't know and have a relationship with God, it's hard to see how you're supposed to, to live, how he created you to operate. It's hard to know what to do and how to live well because God's the creator of it all and his intentions for you and your life are the way that you need to... You've got to read the owner's manual, right? This is how we understand how the world operates, what it means to live in it, to flourish, to live well. It's to live it God's way. So when we know God and we have a relationship with God, that's the beginning of being able to live well. Let's go to the next slide here. Here uh, in a psychologist, Deb Dana, she's written a book called Anchored. It's about dealing with trauma and healing from it. She writes, a feeling of awe brings a sense of wonder and stimulates our curiosity, taking us out of our everyday life and into a moment of reverence or deep appreciation. In a moment of awe, we feel a ventral inspired connection, first to ourselves, then toward others, the world, and spirit. Now, Deb Dana is speaking from a sort of secular perspective. She's not speaking religiously here. But what I was fascinated to see within this is she's pointing us towards a picture of kingdom life. The four categories that she's mentioned there are the ones that we talk about primarily in a sense of Christian understanding of ourselves within the world. We talk about ourselves, others, the world, and we instead of the word spirit, we would probably use the word God more fully. So she, what she's writing here is that when we feel awe, it helps us connect to all those things, to live in a kind of sense of unity and community with all things in the world. And that's a picture, that kind of peace between all of those things and flourishing that we experience in light of that, that's a picture of what the Christian teaching is and what it's meant to be. Let me show you a picture. Because this is a lot of words. Let me show you a picture. 
when I was uh, when I was spending my time doing a lot of uh, English conversation uh, with newcomers to Canada, I would after the lessons were done, I would invite people to stay if they would like, and I would tell Bible stories using simple pictures. Uh, I'm excited, by the way. We're we're looking towards the fall to starting up the English an English conversation group here uh, in, in our site to allow people the chance to practice speaking English. So if you're interested in maybe helping sit down with a person uh, one night a week and just have a conversation just about a subject that we provide, we'd love to have you part of that. But let me show you this picture. This triangle is how I picture God. I picture him, this is a, a representation of Father, Son, Spirit, three sides, um, as one. And the heart is because God is love. That's the character of God. So that's, that's the first symbol I need to describe. But the rest, I think, will be self-evident. When God creates the world, he creates it in love. And he creates it full of animals and plants and trees and the oceans, the skies, all of this together and beautiful. And he talks to the human beings that he creates. And he talks about them in relation to himself. He says, you are meant to be my image. You're meant to be a reflection of me in the world. We're meant to be connected in a loving relationship. And you are to love the earth. You're meant to love each other. It's not good for you to be alone. It's good for you to love the earth and care for it, to tend it and to steward it well. And all of it is meant to be tied together in this connected relationship of love. We see all four of those areas that Deb Dana talked about represented in the world in the way that the world was created from the Christian perspective. Uh, I'll show you another picture now. This is what it describes when we get to Genesis chapter 3, only the third chapter in the Bible. Humans, by their own choice and uh, intention, break God's instructions, and it has an impact on how they relate to each other. Now their relationship, they themselves will experience pain, suffering, difficulty in the world, and then together as a couple, they will also experience difficulty. They'll have difficulty with the world. It's going to be hard work just making a living. And they have this broken relationship with God because they haven't trusted him. And so what awe and wonder does in this conception is awe begins to remind us of the first picture, what it was meant to be like, how we were designed to operate. Because all those things, let's go back to that first slide, the first picture. When all these things are connected and imbalanced, that's kingdom life. That's the way it was meant to be. And when we experience awe and wonder, even within our bodies, we can feel a longing for more of that. We're caring about others. We're not just self-focused. We're caring for things of the world. We want to explore the world. We have an openness and a sense of something greater and transcendent, or we could use the language God. And awe for God shows us how to live well. When we don't have awe for God, when we don't respect God, when we don't obey God's ways, when we don't listen to his leading in our lives, it creates brokenness. Show the second picture again. And we live in this place when we don't respect and reverence God every day in our lives. We don't live well. We don't have skill for living. Are you tracking with me? Would it be easier if every week I used pictures? Would that be good? (laughs) So let's go to the next slide now. 
we see all of this come together in the person of Jesus. You remember those lists of virtuous behaviors and the things that we saw as beautiful and good? We, saw, we see all of those things that we, we showed on the screen come together in the person of Jesus. And in the letter uh, to the Philippians, Paul writes to the people in Philippi, and he says to them, I, I want to point you towards Jesus, because you're having some difficulties amongst yourselves, and I want to remind you how to live well. He's, he's taught them that Jesus heals the brokenness of living our own way instead of God's way. And when we follow Jesus, it brings us into connection with one another, with ourselves, with God, and with the world. And so what he does is he reminds them that Jesus makes this all possible, so we look to Jesus, who, ex who is the perfect example of this. Listen, this is like the description that I read earlier, like to a T. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What Paul is describing, you know, what happens here in this point in Philippians, Paul is writing like a normal letter, and then this part is like a poem or maybe a song. And it's as if there's no way that he can express this as beautifully as possible, just in regular writing. He needs music to do it. He's calling out a song from their songbook that they all know. He bursts into praise, singing about Jesus next. And it's this beautiful moment where he's, he's drawn by the wonder of Jesus, and he wants the people in Philippi to remember how good and beautiful Jesus is. To remember the wonder of who Jesus is and live accordingly. That's what, that's what God wants us to do, is to see who he is and live accordingly. That's the beginning of living well. It's when we see who God is and we respect, we honor, we have awe for God. We reverence him in all of our life. That's the beginning of living well. And so he shows us, Paul shows us Jesus once again. And he says, this is how you live well. Look to Jesus. Follow after Jesus. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And here's where he bursts into song. Let's go to the next verse. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus shows us how to live well. Jesus shows us how we were intended to exist as human beings. Jesus is the model uh, for how we should truly live every day. And when we look at that and we understand that, when we look at that with wonder and delight and admire him, that will lead us to the wise way of life, which is skilled living. Looking upon Jesus with awe and wonder 
is the beginning of living well. And that's Paul's message for us. And that's what I think the experience of, even in small things day to day, the experience of wonder points us towards. We get that feeling, that urge towards kingdom life, to the way, the, to the way it was meant to be. And it's great to have these good experiences in nature where we see a sunset and we say, oh, that's incredible, and just feel good. That's great too. But it's better when it leads us from that place towards God to say, thank you, God. And God, if you've made such beauty in the world, how do I pursue that rather than my own thing? Or when we experience something in life where there's just an incredible act of generosity towards ourselves, and we feel humble, but we feel in awe of this moment. We are in awe of someone else's generosity towards us. What do we then do? Do we just say, well, thank you, and then live our lives like always before? Or does it change us and lead us into kingdom life, where we now begin to practice generosity ourselves? Do we look to Jesus as an example of someone who didn't cling to the things that he had, but he let them go for others? Do we look to Jesus as the model for how we speak to one another when we're angry? Or what we do when someone offends us and forgiveness is needed? Do we look to Jesus to show us how to live well? When we do, that's living the kingdom life. That's the way we, we're meant to live. That connected life is found fully in the person of Jesus, and it's available to us when we pursue him. So friends, when you see that beautiful sunset, when you hold that little baby in your arms, when you go and see and do those incredible things in your life, allow those moments to lead you back to God. And to allow him to do something inside of you that changes you. Be open to his leading and transformation to that more connected way of life where God is taking first place. That's the beginning of good life living. That's the beginning of the good life. It's not just about the delight and the enjoyment of simple pleasures or amazing wonders. It's about experiencing the fullness of life that God always intended as we look to him first above it all. So wonder points us towards the kingdom life. Imagine how it would impact Stratford as a town if all of us looked intently to the life of Jesus and then acted accordingly. What would change in this town? What would change in this community if we, as a group of 100-some people, lived that way? Do you think it would have a positive benefit? Do you think it would embody the wonder of the good news? Do you think it would show the loving kindness of God in our world? How would it feel to be part of that story? How would it feel to be part of what God is doing in this place to bring about even greater wonders in the world as we lift up and point people towards the name of Jesus? How would it be for us as a people 
to see God's work being done amongst us by the power of his spirit. It would be beautiful. It would be like that first little sketch that I did where there's love and harmony and peace and joy and flourishing all throughout the community. Friends, that's possible. It's possible because of what Jesus has done. Because, as we heard in the Colossians series, he has reconciled everything in heaven and earth. He brings peace. He brings wholeness. He brings shalom to everything he touches. And so when we go in Jesus' name, directing people towards the life that's found only in him, ah, it's beautiful. It's a wonder to behold. Let's pray. Jesus, help us draw our attention and fix it upon you. To not simply see you and then walk away as if nothing has changed, but to actually listen to you. To allow your instruction, your model, your witness to shape and impact the way that we live. You taught about this and you said that it's a wise person who builds his, his life upon your teaching. It's like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. It's no good to listen to you and ignore you and build our lives on something else that's not steady like sand. So help us to look to you, to heed your word, to heed your instruction, to follow in your way, to experience the wonder of your great love for us, to know with reverence and praise your goodness, and to allow that to impact every moment of our lives, every day, to, to live in the way that you intended us to live, connected to one another, connected to our sense of self in wholeness, connected to the world around us that's beautiful, that is good and created by you, and to connect to you above it all. So Jesus, would you show us kingdom life and help us to live in it by your Spirit. May we delight in you and you alone, first and foremost because you are good and worthy to be praised. In your name we pray, amen.